sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast David Ritter is the Chief Executive Officer of Greenpeace Australia Pacific. He's been with Greenpeace for nine years, campaigning to secure an earth capable of nurturing life in all its amazing diversity. Prior to joining Greenpeace, he worked as a lawyer and an academic. We spoke about the coronavirus, the climate crisis, and whether we bounce back or leap forward. David Ritter, welcome to Environmental as Anything. Thanks for joining us. Great. Great to be with you. All human contact in these times is so valuable. <laughs> in, indeed, is it not? And, and, and so many people feeling so isolated uh, whilst, whilst the world spins on around us. So true. You seem like a very positive greenie to me. You know, you're not a doom and gloom greenie. You, you've, you've written that, uh, that the coronavirus has the capacity to bring out the best in us. And I've been saying that this is, a, you know, a demonstration of the, the potential for progressive uh, responses to the problems of the world. You know, that we're, we're actually within the coronavirus response. There's a, a clear commitment to a rules based order and to, to a humane response. Can you talk about what implications that you feel that has for the climate emergency? Yeah, well, look, I suppose I, I start from a, a, a foundation of thinking that, you know, uh, humanity, when it works together, people can do just about anything. And the great thing about nature is life fights for life. So uh, nature does not want to, you know, head down the path to planetary disaster. And life fights for life. So you've got a, a great starting point of people can do anything. Life fights for life. And in terms of just a sort of foundation of positivity. You look out on the world, and for all the all the damage that we've done to it, it is still just this astonishing, beautiful, spinning planet. Uh, uh, it's still paradise for all that we've done to it. So, starting from that base, we then come to this incredible moment where, as you just said, you just you know you, you hit the nail on the head, Sean. Um, it's created this opening where we are seeing people uh, and. You know, yes, they're a bit of argy-bargy about a few toilet rolls in supermarkets. And yes, there's always going to be, you know, a bit of that. But the, the far greater outpouring, as you say, has been people committing to um, our society by, by uh, observing ways of being that, that keep us all safe. Mm. Little acts of love and of volunteering and of professionalism and of duty and of thinking about other people that that speaks to the best of what we are and then you know smell the air like the air in sydney is the cleanest it has been for years yeah uh there, but there all these anecdotes about there being more animals around and you know it's not impacting everyone on the same way if you're doing it tough then you're going to be doing it even tougher in during Corona, and of course, it's having a monumental effect on on people losing their jobs and so on. So it's absolutely, you know, this is not about being rosy-eyed, but it is also teaching us about what is truly important in life, about time, about security, about what really matters. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. And, and giving us a demonstration of how, how we, we can achieve those things together in, under such difficult circumstances. It's, it's, it is inspiring. Absolutely. It? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. You've said, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase you here. I ask you, turn it into a question. How do we become a nation premised on giving primacy to care for humans and our ecosystems? Well, the great thing about this is that it's not a shortage of ideas or, or policy fixes. And uh, as we now know, it's not a shortage of money because actually we can afford to do uh, the things we need to do. Indeed, we can't afford not to. Indeed, we can't afford not to. Um, so the missing ingredient is one of political energy and uh, political decision-making. And, you know, we've had this strange sort of spectacle of, uh -huh. so with bipartisan support, a federal government has uh, acted swiftly to radically change the economy uh, uh, to uh, secure the future for us all. Uh, nice to know they were just sort of, you know, kidding about that whole uh, science scepticism all that time or something. But no, more, more seriously, what, what, what the scientists in, in will, will now, you know, say to you is that the missing ingredient, I think that the language is in the IPCC 1.5 um, press summary, that, uh, that the missing ingredient is political will. What, what corona does is it creates this opening for essentially a mass demand of mm. the people of Australia that we would like our society to be different, mm. that we would like a society that takes care of our reefs and our forests, that has a decent care for our elderly and decent care for our young with justice embedded at the core of, of who and what we are. It's you know, really an opportunity to, to remake uh, Australia uh, as the best version of us. Absolutely. And I think in a lot of your writings that I've read, uh, you know, over the last month, there's been uh, uh, an emphasis also on the, the combination of corona with the fire, you know, the climate emergency uh, bushfires that swept across the country. Uh, you know, the, the two things together have, have distilled a lot of people's thinking and given them time, as you say, to pause and, and, and reconsider. Yeah, well, look, I think, you, you know, you're right, Sean. It's the two do need to be seen in combination and also, and I you know, sadly, have to be seen in combination as well with the, with the political scandals uh, that we saw at the start of this year, uh, which, which are, you know, that's our democracy in crisis. That's the warping of our democracy to institutional corruption and vested interests. Uh, and, of course, seen in conjunction with the third great bleaching of the Great Barrier Reef in five years and seen in conjunction with the... the, the further uh, challenges and disasters that we know are coming because we've already baked them in with the emissions that, that we've already pumped into the system. So we, we've got this kind of rolling, multiplying thing that's, that's going at the moment and it can head down a pathway toward where things get really pretty ugly pretty fast or it can head down this other pathway. We can build a bridge through to a flourishing Australia, a flourishing world, a more decent place. And, you know, look, look back when, you know, you and I and all our friends and all the community and everyone else out there goes, well, wow, 2020, that was the year. Yeah. That was the year we, our, our, our toes touched the bottom of the pond and we pushed back up. Yeah. You know, that, that's the chance. That's the mm. chance of the moment. Mm. 
it is it's exciting and i and it's it's great to to see and hear you so excited about it it's uh, it, it's good to to get that message uh, uh across isn't it um i mean you know of course you mentioned institutional corruption so i, I have to uh, sort of you know at the same time as we've got this fantastic opportunity and there's there's a whole heap of positives which i'm going to talk about a little bit later and, and ask you to talk about a little bit later but you know, at the same time as all of that, we have the scummo regime continuing to pour our precious capital down the coal black hole while, you know, like, as you say, the Great Barrier Reef's bleaching, our forests are being cleared, koalas are effectively being exterminated. You know, this idea of a betrayal of trust, you know, like the, the, the promises that we make that we're supposed to be keeping. I'd like to get you to talk more about the, the promises of the social contract and the betrayal of trust that's involved in that institutional corruption. Yeah, well, look, just, I guess, first of all, just that term institutional corruption. So institutional corruption doesn't mean, you know, someone hands someone else a paper bag full of cash. It means that there's a vested interest which manages to warp a public institution or set of public institutions so it's no longer acting in the public interest. And so what we've seen in, in Australia over time is various interests act in that way but um, I guess in the context of the climate emergency above all it's the coal industry it's the gas industry um, uh, which have managed to exercise a kind of uh, control uh, a kind of warping of Australia's uh, public institutions so they're not acting in the public interest mm. because it is not in the public interest to uh, send us down the path of climate catastrophe and so we're where that comes to um, uh, the, the sort of the, the breaking of the, the social contract, or in some cases, really specific promises, is um, you know a range of political luminaries from you know Malcolm Turnbull to um, Dutton, I think recently others have talked about that the primary obligation of the state is to secure the safety and well-being of citizens. Now, that, that rhetoric is often invoked yep. in relation to terrorism, rightly or, or wrongly, or whatever level of exaggeration. But uh, we know we know the scale of threat that is posed mm. by the climate emergency. So if you're going to keep that, that sacred element of the, of the social contract to, uh, to preserve the safety and security of citizens, you've really got to act on the... The climate crisis and where that really landed was this summer where i mean one of, one of my team just did a quick quick and dirty look at the sheer number of high level expert warnings that had been received by the coalition government so they didn't yeah, even right. go back into the ones received under labor and they counted 18 warnings between 2013 yeah. and the start of the fires last year yeah. to say this is what's coming so it's all on the record and they are ignored Oh, it's all on the record. It's all on the record, and the, you know the 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 we, we ran somewhere the the summary of those eighteen warnings, but you know the, it's not these are not hidden away, as you say, they're all on the record. And then the, the even more egregious one, in a way, is that when when the Great Barrier Reef was World Heritage listed, um, start of the nineteen eighties, that the promise that you make around World Heritage is that as the the state, that the nation that is making the promise, that you will do your utmost. Now that, that's that's not a that's not a word that that brooks of of qualification. You will do your no. utmost mm. to preserve this for all humanity. Mm. I mean, it's it's pretty clear, right? Now, if you're doing your utmost, 
your, your utmost for all humanity doesn't get mired in um, partisan politics, does it? I mean, really, that's just not the same thing. Uh, again, like you, you nail it, Sean. This should be one of those things that sits above the day-to-day hurly-burly. It's a, it's a sacred thing. And it's a, it's a, you know, the UNESCO treaty came out of the, the terrible uh, inferno of the Second World War and just this sense that there were things that are universal and, and there's the unique universal value of the Great Barrier Reef. So we make this promise as a nation. And what's more, when we make this promise, we're proud of it. We yeah. are proud that we have promised to safeguard this unbelievable thing for all humanity. But that mm. promise is not being kept. And it is not being kept because you can't be serious about that promise and continue to fund coal mines and to fund the extraction of gas and to back Adani and to do all those other things that mean that, that as you know, Terry Hughes, the great coral reef uh, uh, expert who's led on the aerial surveys of the bleaching, you know, he puts it very simply, you can have coral, you can't have both. Um, now, we promised it would be coral, and we're not keeping the promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coral or coal, it can't be yeah, both. Yeah. That's right. So the I wanted you to um, expand on a little bit. Like, that's great because it's, you know, our promise as a nation, you know, is, is, is that we should have, you know, protect these universally uh, important values. What about the, the the triple test? I like the thought, you know, that you've distilled this down into a three-step, you know, it's not exactly a three-letter acronym, but it's a three-step process that you're advocating for that everybody can easily kind of take on board and understand. Could you talk through the triple test a little bit? Look, I think there should be this, there should be a three-step uh, process for, for every every dollar and how it's spent. And you know, first of all, it's got to be, it's got to actually be effective to solve the immediate problem of corona. So it has to keep people healthy, safe and certain of their future. So, so we take that as read. That's the first step. The second step is, though, it's got to do other things too. Uh, it's got to secure the foundations of our prosperity and the foundations of our, our flourishing, our prosperity uh, is the natural world. So the stimulus dollars, every stimulus dollar should accelerate that transition to clean energy and to the restoration of the natural world that, you know, in Australia in particular has been so damaged already by the fires, by the bleaching, by uh, uh, some of our deliberate uh, acts like uh, 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 logging and so on, uh, land deforestation. Um, So that should be the second test is that every dollar really has got to be redirected, has got to be directed towards um, restoring those, those, fundamental uh, uh, foundations of things. And then the third thing, of course, is about fairness. Um, We not only want to secure the natural foundations of our prosperity, but we want to build a society in which people are treated with justice and fairness. And so we try and eliminate those things that, that, that no one likes. No one wants to live in a society with with poverty, with homelessness, with insufficient care for, 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 for children, for the aged, this is all possible. So every dollar, is it going to work now? Is it going to look after nature? And is it going to make the, the joint fairer? And that, I reckon, is the triple test for every, how every dollar is spent. Yep, that seems really sound to me. It's uh, very, very succinct. Thank you for <laughs> distilling it down to that. Well, it was actually, <laughs> yeah, that's no, good. The, the, um, 
you also talk about what I'm I'm going to loosely refer to as the, the the dichotomy between the bounce back and the leap forward. You know, the idea that we're somehow just going to get everything back to normal, um, which which obviously you know business as usual is no longer an option. But there's still this kind of fantasy that we're going to bounce back to some way or other. And then there's the, I think the idea that that we're advocating and that the environment movement in general has been advocating for a long time is just the leap forward. Now, you, you want to speak a little yeah. bit about the, the dichotomy there? Yeah. Um, so, look, you know, our, our Prime Minister and others have talked about a bounce back or a snap back that, you know, Australia would just go, like, back to what it was. Now, there are there are two problems with that. One, as you say, it can't because um, all sorts of stuff has changed, including hopefully people's expectations around the fact that we can actually afford to... Um, uh, Put in the kind of social security system that that we have some features of at the moment to take better care of people. So look, it, it can't snap back logically, but also why would you want to? <laughs> because it would be snapping back or bouncing back to a world that is heading off the precipice. <laughs> yeah. So it, it both can't and it would be illogical. But in fact, I think I think there's. Uh, even worse than the snapback or the bounce back is what um, uh, you know you might call the backlash or Naomi Klein called the shock doctrine, which is that the moment of crisis is actually used to do a whole lot of really quite awful things. And um, we are already seeing talk of, you know, when they talk of a gas-led recovery, for goodness sake, um, uh, when they talk of um, uh, taking away some of the precious protections uh, of nature and social life that we don't have enough of, um, what they're really talking about are using the crisis of uh, Corona-19 to shove through a bunch of things that normally Australians would not want anything to do with. So we've got to block <laughs> the backlash uh, attempts. We've got to stop all this silly talk of a sort of bounce back or snap back and instead focus on that world that we know we can build from here and just just go after that. You know, that's that's the prize here. It's that leap to that world that we we can have. And, you know, we're not talking about utopia. There are always going to be issues. There are always going to be people who act like, you know, dopes and geese, whatever, whatever yeah. the world's like. What we can do using policies that we already have, technology that we already have, people as we are, we can build a really a great society out of this, a great country. So let's, let's just do it. That's right. That's the question I often ask my, my interview victims is, which future are you backing? Is it the uh, Mad Max or Star Trek option that you're, uh, you know, that you're backing at this stage? <laughs> Look, I'm with you, Sean, to boldly go where no one's ever gone before. <laughs> Neoliberalism has left our civilization fractured and fragile. How do you see coronavirus has exposed the cracks that have been so assiduously papered over by the Murdoch criminal empire for so long? What do you, how do you see that having been, you know, revealed and sent into sharp relief? Well, look, what, what neoliberalism has done is it's, um, it's first of all, mined a whole lot of assets of, of social trust you know, it's, it's, it's mined institutions and hollowed them out and it's, it's uh, commodified things that should never have been turned into commodities and it, is, it has uh, 
eroded the, the vocational foundations of all sorts of professions and institutions. And it has left uh, all of us or many of us um, at different levels of, of being under time, stress and debt stress and uh, housing stress. And uh, it has left uh, uh, supply chains stretched and all, all of these stresses and stretches have been fairly brutally exposed by the onset of uh, Corona. And it's, it's no, um, and I, don't, I take no, um, no glee in this, I grieve for it, but it's no mm. uh, accident, I think, that some of the countries that have, that have faced a coronavirus and experiencing the greatest difficulty with it are some of those that have gone furthest down that path of just stripping away the glue, the, the, the institutions, the, the, the buffers um, that, uh, that society should have and, and had for, for, you know, prior to the, um, the coming of that neoliberal era. And, and hopefully, hopefully we can choose something different coming out of this. Um, we don't, life shouldn't be like that. People shouldn't be stretched and pulled and indebted and time poor and work poor. And we don't need to have it like that. No. Hopefully the shock doctrine can work both ways. You know, it doesn't have to just work for the evildoers. It can also work for progressive uh, idealists. Well, I'd like to think that there will be this mass, that what we are seeing is a massive upsurge in kindness that that delivers at a systems level you know individual acts of kindness are wonderful but let's design a system around kindness let's design a system around the truth of our species that we are other regarding that we are social that we are all vulnerable at some time in our lives and let's design a system around that and let's design a system that recognizes our our interdependence or rather our dependence on nature and the natural world but also our love for it. So we have time to be in nature and our cities bring in nature. Um, it, is, it is our opportunity to choose a different path. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, of course, you know, there's lots of good news in amongst the bad. I mean, the oil, oil price got to minus $30 a barrel the other day. You know, having oil producers now having to pay $30 a barrel to get somebody to take this stuff off their hands. Nobody actually wants um, you know, coal is in full financial flight, uh, as far as I can tell around the world. The, the, the number of actual new coal mines and projects looks like it's uh, collapsing, while financial institutions are coming out every day saying they're, they're going to have nothing further to do with it. Um, renewables uh, in Australia are uh, accelerating at 10 times the global average. Uh, we, we hit 50% uh, on Easter Saturday, 50% renewable in the uh, electricity system. You know, these are all exciting, uh, you know, uh, indicators for, for our, uh, our potential, aren't they? Well, I'm just going to try and wrap it up. I know we've got, you know, you've got limited time and we have to wrap it up at some stage. But uh, so just if you can quickly summarise, maybe, you know, our best and our worst hopes here. What do you think is our, you know, like, how would you put that? Yeah, well, look, our, our, our worst hope, you know, the, the, we, know, we know where the trajectories are heading if we don't act fast enough. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the slide of Leslie Hughes, the, the great uh, 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 scientist, member of the uh, Climate Council that, should, that maps the lives of kids alive today and their grandkids against temperature trajectories, 
but you could also do it against uh, biodiversity loss or any number of other things. And it shows that if we don't act fast, we are facing uh, disaster. I mean, David Attenborough has talked of the collapse of civilization in, in the near term, that we are already in the midst of fires and reef bleachings and enough severe climate damage. Um, you know, I've been to, I've been to Tarawa, the, the, the main island of Kiribati. I've seen what rising sea levels are happening there. But the truth is that now the fires are in the heart of our population centres in Australia. So we, the climate damage is already there. We can see where it's going. Mm. But there is that other road open. And the great hope there is that uh, the, the uh, resolve and ingenuity an ability to cooperate of human beings really is the ultimate renewable resource. And all we need to do is uh, break through some of those invisible political barriers, the, the vested interests that are holding us back, mm. and we will get there. We will get there at speed and we can do it with kindness and creativity and unleash the full flourishing of, of, of what the world can be. And so, you know, for anyone, I mean, I guess, you know, you and I are probably having this chat in front of some, some uh, uh, friends who agree with us, but, you know, it's the time to be all in. It is absolutely the time to be all in. So, you know, get involved. <laughs> yeah, get involved. Absolutely. Well, you know, that's inspiring. David, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak to Environmental as Anything to our audience. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, you know, we really appreciate your, uh, in, your enthusiasm and inspiration in this uh, this matter. It's 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 actually gives us a, a positive uh, path that we can we can go down. So uh, keep up the good work. Mate, it's a, mate, it's a great pleasure to uh, to have the chat. All chats are good at this time. And apologies for uh, kicking back with the cup of tea while we were having the talk. <laughs> it's all good. I think uh, you know this is one of the new normals that we're going to get used to is having relaxing chats with people in their in their in the comfort of their homes. It's uh, nothing wrong with Very that. <laughs> all right, David. We'll talk again sometime, mate. Stay in touch. All right. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.